March 8th is International Women's Day. And this is a time when we celebrate women's achievements, educate and raise awareness for women's equality, call for more positive change for advancing women, and lots of other things. And the theme for this year's International Women's Day is Embrace Equity. So even though women have made a lot of strides in the tech industry, there's still a huge lack of gender diversity with women significantly underrepresented in the technology space. So in fact, according to a 2021 report by the National Center for Women in Information Technology, women hold only 26% of information and computing occupations in the US. And in the EU, it's expected that less than 25% of ICT specialists will be female in 2030. So the lack of women in tech is not only an equity issue, but it's also a business issue. You know, we know that companies with more diverse workforces have been shown to outperform their less diverse peers. And there's still lots of challenges facing women in tech. There's a pay gap, there's work-life balance issues, and lots more. And according to McKenzie, only 60, 86 women are promoted to manager for every 100 men at the same level. But in tech, only 52 women are being promoted to manager for every 100 men, and that's just wrong. And there are lots of reasons why a diverse workplace is important. And the most gender diverse companies are 48% more likely to outperform the least gender diverse companies. So today, in honor of International Women's Day, I'm thrilled to be hosting a panel with some incredibly impressive women in the tech space. So with me today are Alison or Ali Hastings, a Senior Director Leader uh, for Channel for UK and Ireland for Avaya, Larissa Horton, Chief Product Officer for Cisco, and CK, who's Chief Product Engineering and Customer Officer for TalkDesk. So welcome, ladies. Uh, let's start by telling us about yourselves and the journey that took you to where you are now in your career. So CK, why don't we start with you? Great. Um, journey. Well, I'm going to start far behind, right? So I, um, I grew up in, um, India and grew up in, growing up in India. I think the one thing that I always remember is my mom saying, you know, you can grow up to be anything, but, uh, you know, she always says, I wish I grew up to be someone that people remembered and inspired, right? Inspired people. And I don't know if you know, Indira Nui. So Indira Nui is, uh, ex CEO of Pepsi. Uh, she grew up in the same place that, you know, I did. And, uh, she was an inspiration when I was growing up. So, you know, fast forward several decades after that, I decided to join tech. Uh, but those words from my mom, I always, she's no more right now, but those words from my mom, I always remember. So uh, trying to do the best that I can to be remembered and uh, to inspire people. Uh, at this point in time, I'm at TalkDesk. I've been here for five years. I've had a very exciting journey and uh, I'm Chief Product Engineering and Customer Officer at TalkDesk. Thanks for having me here. Thank you. Uh, Ali, how about you? Well, thanks, Blair. Hi, everyone. I'm Alison Hastings. So actually, I started my career in the IT and technology industry in 1999 in London. Actually moved from a small town in Mid Wales, a very small village. Um, unfortunately, I lost my father when I was young, and uh, I decided to get on a train and move to the city to find to find an adventure. Um, so you could say maybe that was one of the motivating reasons for me to move and try and make a better life for myself. But I moved uh, into cable and wireless 
um, as a PA, actually. Um, and just before the millennium, so it was a very exciting time when the whole world was up in arms, waiting for something to happen. Um, but I, I spent seven years at Cable and Wireless and uh, progressed. So I was a PA for nine months and then was given the opportunity to work um, in a customer service role, actually running a call centre um, for a female, uh, a lady called Colleen Duffy, actually, who inspired me, mentored me and saw, uh, I, I think truly saw potential in me. Uh, I progressed into more of a service management role um, and then then gradually realized that I could sell and moved into channel, into sales, and looked after some of the biggest SIs like IBM and Capita. Um, I'm now at Avaya running the channel for the UK and Ireland, which I absolutely love and embrace. I've been here five years, and one of the reasons I joined Avaya was the culture and the leadership um, was extremely supportive of women and diversity. Um, so, yeah, that, that's me. Great to meet you all. Great, thank you. And Larissa. Hello everyone, uh, excited to be here with you guys today. Uh, my journey started, I think, very young, like many of you guys here. Uh, my mom actually came from the Philippines. I was born in Canada. Uh, she started off as a professional accountant, but instead of uh, re-getting re certified, she actually went into tech. And so she became a developer in the 80s with the cards in hand, taking that to the compiler. And through that, us three sisters actually ended up in tech. Um, we all are in engineering product, and now I'm in a, you know, I went from general manager and chief product as a SVP at Cisco. Um, I thought at a very young age I was going to go into law and become a lawyer, but I met these three amazing women in high school from IBM uh, who actually offered me a internship when I was 17. And I think that's really what drastically changed the, the trajectory of my, my overall life plans. Uh, they showed me these careers that were in sales and um, all in the tech company. But I always, I think, pictured tech to only be developer centric. And I think that just opened my eyes to see, um, you know, they had the services side, the sales side, and obviously the product side. And so seeing all three aspects and so many more of the opportunities, I think, is really what changed my point of view. Um, I spent a large portion of my career at Microsoft across a very wide range of products. I was there for 13 years. And in the last uh, nearly five years, I've been here at Cisco, primarily operating in the UCAS, CCAS uh, space and with devices. Awesome. Well, thank maybe, you. Maybe if I so, can ask something there, kudos to your mom. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she absolutely. is definitely the one that has... Uh, has carved out the path for all of us. Uh, she actually, she retired as a developer. And I remember we both actually wow. learned object-oriented programming at the same time, because she started That's off amazing. with mainframe development and working in the labs. And so, yeah, to restart her career, it, she did it well. She was actually pregnant with me and with my sisters. So by the time she got to the third, she was a full-blown developer. Wow. Wow. That's just amazing. So it sounds like you all had pretty important women in your lives who helped you get to where you are. So mentorship, and Ali, you mentioned this, um, having a mentor is so important. So can you talk about you know, the role of a mentor and, and the best way to go about finding one? Because you know, it sounds like you, you know, a couple of you, you know, had mentors in your lives, but how do you get started? How do you find a mentor? Uh, what advice would you have for uh, younger women getting started? Uh, Ali, you want to start? Shall I start? 
Yes, I think I think it's twofold. I think it's important to have an external mentor and an internal one. So I have uh, just throughout my career, actually, I have um, an, I have a mentor externally that's coached me. Um, to be to be honest, is a friend, but has always been there externally to somebody I sit with once a month, and I can just talk to and sound off to and get advice from away from the workplace that I've been in. But I also think it's important to have a mentor program within the company you're in. So I I, I run one within my own team and encourage every you know whether you're to be open whether you're a woman or a man to have a mentor because I think it's just useful to have somebody that's got different experiences, different angles to, to give you advice. Um, so I, I, I seek advice. I, I still have a lady in my life, actually. She runs, she's one of the managing directors of BT in the UK, uh, Alex Tempest. She, she will forever be my mentor externally. And she's actually a, a partner of mine as well. But she's somebody that, that, that's kind of been through my career with me and somebody I've always aspired to because she's always been uh, a level ahead of me from a career perspective and actually, you know, and perhaps a little bit older and maturer. Um, but in the, in the workplace, it doesn't have to be a female. So I do have a mentor currently within Avaya that's a, that's a male. And I, and I don't, I don't think you have to have a female. I think it's, you know, what, I think you can choose, um, but ultimately, I, I bring it always back to the fact that it's down to culture and principles. If you have, when I joined Avaya, there was an incredible guy that brought me in to the company who, who, who was a mentor for me that that believed in me and believed in women and our ability and our strengths and could see the differentiators and really pushed me. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is a mentor doesn't have to be a female, right? It, it can be, it can be a male, but it's got to be somebody that has the right morals and principles. That's a great point. Thank you. Uh, CK, how about you? Yeah. So I, right now I am acting as a mentor for some of the other, you know, women and, and product leaders in the industry, but it's interesting because, uh, if I really think about the last maybe 10 to 15 years, I think I've had more, I call thought partner, uh, maybe, you know, we can use a different word, but more of a thought partner than mentor, right? Uh, so, you know, at work, every time I've had a few people that have just like immensely trusted and anything that happens, we're kind of talking on a regular basis. What would you have done? You know, like if you were the CEO, what would you do? If you were this person, like what would you do in the career? So I think, um, I really found that helpful to have someone within the company that you can trust and kind of like exchange ideas, even hypothetical scenarios all the time, because there's just so much context within those conversations, because, you know, if not, I felt like I had to explain a lot more. So this way, the person is seeing just the way I see it, but our perspectives are so different and you learn from that. Um, so some of those third partners that I've had for the last like 10, 15 years have been you know, some of the best conversations and learnings and, you know, learnings even more than the books that I read in my career, right? So I think those thought partnerships, uh, trusted people that you talk about many things, including your career, their career, or what's happening in the company, I think were immensely helpful. That said, 
now I am in formal mentorship program for a few people within the company and outside. And it's fascinating because, you know, as a mentor, more than the other person, you learn a lot more because they talk about what is the best way to work with my manager and how do I do this? And I'm like, I, I share my thoughts with that person, but I also think about, well, maybe this is how my team is thinking. I need to be better for my team, right? So more than you helping that person, you you learn so much and you're more retrospective about the, some of the things you're doing. So I think it uh, mentoring others, I think has helped me probably more than themselves, but it's been, it's been a really fascinating journey, especially for the past two years where I've done it in a more formal fashion. Previously, it's been more casual conversations. Well, that's great that it's a two-way type of thing and you're all learning from each other. So Larissa, obviously you've had lots of influences in your life. Uh, um, what would you say to young women who maybe need to find a mentor? Uh, how would you suggest they go about it? I think there's a couple of categories that I look at for mentorship. Uh, one is find some of these people who you admire and get the guts to go and ask them if you can learn from them. Sometimes just shadowing someone helps so much. Um, I think that's one category of mentor. I think the second is similar to what CK mentioned, uh, someone who is a sounding board who can be very brutally honest with you, I think is a really great mentor. Someone will push you out of your comfort zone and really question your thinking um, in a way that makes you ensure that you're not, you know, getting caught by your blind sides or, or getting caught in, you know, group think because that's where directionally everyone around you is thinking. I find that that kind of mentorship is also very useful. Uh, and the third one is um, I've actually tried to find mentors and I've, and I've recommended this to people um, who are a personality type that is the opposite of themselves. Uh, what I find with a lot of women growing in the industry is there are certain types of personalities that they just have high friction with and they really don't know how to deal with that personality or how to be empathetic enough to see it from their point of view. And I tell them, find someone who is like this that you don't have a you know direct reporting line into, but you can have a relationship and get to know how is it that they think and how is it that they process, which may be differently than how you operate and incorporate that so you can then build that same empathy and find better ways to work with these types of people. So I think those are kind of the three that I recommend to people, really depending on what they're looking for um, and the challenges that they're facing at the time. I mentor many different women and I think they kind of fall into probably category one and two the most. Um, but I always, you know, poke at what's the kind of people you don't get along with and or you think is really hard to work with. And how are you going and resolving that particular challenge? I never would have thought of that. That's really interesting. Great perspective. So let's talk about some challenges uh, you might have overcome. Um, so what were some challenges you dealt with? How did you overcome them? Uh, did you ever feel you got passed over for a promotion or an opportunity that you deserved? Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, CK, why don't we start with you? Um, yeah, I thought a lot about it. I mean, I think everyone has some form of challenges in their career, right? I think I think mo the toughest times of the career that I had were kind of in the early stages, right? In the early stages of career when you just start, when you're a lot more vulnerable, you don't have the level of confidence, right? So, um, but, you know, I really thought about this in the past few years. I think I've been maybe one of those fortunate ones where at least from promotion being passed over and things like that, I've been really fortunate, like everyone that I've worked with for the last, I don't know, like 15, 20 years. Um, fortunately, I've never felt like I was past a promotion for 
gender reasons or anything else. Uh, men or women, I think, have been really supportive for the last several years. Actually, the last promotion that I received was when I was, uh, I think, a month into my pregnancy. So, uh, sorry, m- month into my maternity leave after my baby was born. So, yeah, I think I've really been fortunate and very thankful to work with people who see the value of the outcome and less about where you're from, what gender you are, what color you are, how young you are, right? So I think I've, I've been really fortunate to kind of get some good peers and managers over the last few years, for sure. Really and positive think, to hear that. That's great. And it, and it inspires you to kind of do the same to someone else. I remember last promotion cycle, I had to do the same thing. And, you know, she was, there was somebody else was doing such an amazing job, but she was on a you know, leave for a elongated period of time after her maternity and we gave her a promotion, right? We gave her a promotion to, to senior director. And I think you, people treating you really well, irrespective of background or anything else, kind of inspires you to do the same thing for others. But uh, I think I've been definitely fortunate in that area. And Larissa, I think something similar happened to you. You had a baby right around the same time. You got a big promotion. Yeah, I got my uh, SVP promotion while I was also on maternity leave, Um, actually month two of maternity leave um, and totally unexpected. I think one of the biggest challenges I I grew up with with my mom mentioning to me is at some point in your life, you're going to have to pick family or career. And I think I've been trying my entire life to prove her wrong. And that was kind of this excellent proof point of, look, I just had a baby and I still got promoted. Um, something that was definitely uncommon, you know, many for the last couple decades. But I think we're starting to see that change in the industry, which is really exciting. Um, I, I like CK, was have been very fortunate, maybe because I've chosen great managers and have ended up on wonderful teams where I don't necessarily feel like I was passed over on some of those opportunities. Um, but I think it also was the people that I surrounded myself with. I've been around such great men um, who have been allies and sponsors. Uh, of me throughout my career. So while there were very few women around, I mean, it was, you know, maybe less than 10% as I was going through my career over the last really 20 years, um, finding some of those great allies who really got to know your strengths, I think became critical in supporting that. So I don't know what didn't happen when I wasn't around, but it's led to me not feeling like I was passed over for certain opportunities. Great. And Ali, uh, anything happened to you or any challenges you had to overcome? Yeah, it's interesting. I I concur with both of your comments, but I did have one. Uh, there's one thing that I'll always remember. So in in a, in the I think it was the third company I was in. There was a particular individual, a male, that wasn't supportive of. And I remember it because you know when there's I've been very fortunate, like both both you ladies. I've had great, you know, great support and mentors, and in in. But there was one person that that was not very supportive of not just me, but females in general. Um, and in fairness, I I probably would have left the organization, but they actually were removed, thankfully. <laughs> but I did have a challenge for a six month period where I I should have I should have taken a promotion, but it got it got blocked because of this individual. They they just I'm being open about it because it was there, but fortunately they left the business and I, I actually started working around that person um, anyway, but and, and 
and actually they, they were removed from the business because they were ultimately very uh, old fashioned and doing the wrong thing. But that always will stay in my mind because it was a really bad experience. Um, I do think the, um, the proving yourself, maybe I'm just, I, I am blind to it now, but now looking back as you're mentioning this, I, I do think you have to prove yourself more as a woman in every new job and every new role. There's, I think, more eyeballs watching. Um, but I think maybe I've become blind to it because I've been doing it so much for so many years that you just realize it's part of the deal. Um, and, it, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be required. Um, and we really should be much more aware of it so that we're not creating that extra challenge uh, that is unnecessary in a community that is already so small. Alison, it's a good point. You know, if we go back, there are always people like that, right? I mean, I, I, I you know, now that you t t share it, I can remember the list of people, you know, that were like the ones that you mentioned. There are always people like that. But, you know, to Lorisoff's point, I think we kind of like, you know, forget that and, and talk about the other things. But, you know, in some ways, um, although I'm, I was not happy when that happened, now in hindsight, I'm like, those people made me a better person, right? Absolutely. So I think they made me push and prove and, you know, like, hey, you know, like I can do it, oh, right? Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, but definitely yeah. there were people like that. But I think, uh, indirectly, they made me better than uh, what I was. So I think I think that really helped in some ways. Yeah, I I just hope. I mean, I haven't experienced that for many years. And sure. I guess as you mature and you build confidence, you know how to yeah. navigate that. But to your point, CK, I was more vulnerable. I'm going back right. maybe 12 years ago. Yeah. I was more vulnerable and it was harder to understand how you dealt with that situation when somebody was in such a senior position. Right. Um, of course. Yeah. No, hindsight is always easy, but yeah, you know, when we went through these, it's, it's definitely tougher. But sorry, Blair. And I, I think, think what, yeah. yeah. And I think whether you're in tech or any industry that's going to happen. Yeah. So, so a, a couple of you mentioned that you were fortunate that your companies have um, programs or policies to help women advance in their careers. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit and, um, you know, what your company does have or maybe what you wish your company had to to help women and make it easier for them. Uh, Larissa, do you want to start? Sure. I think we have a lot of great groups where we are bringing women together for everything from training, um, knowledge sharing, uh, you know, just building a community of support, which I think has been very helpful. Uh, I think this is one where at Cisco, I feel like this is not just talk, even our leadership team that reports into the CEO is quite diverse. And so I think we're also leading by example, and we're starting to see that really trickle into all levels of the organization. So it's not just a number that we manage against. I think we see a lot of real programs, um, including reaching out to uh, mothers who may have left the industry and now have potential opportunities for coming back. So a lot of great programs there as well. Um, you know, I, I, I've been really impressed across the board with how much we've been able to do um, within this community and even specialized programs, whether it's by discipline like sales versus uh, tech and the, and the product and engineering side. We're really trying to pay attention because I think, as you mentioned, Blair, when we don't, the numbers just are skewed naturally because of the populations. And so looking at who are the who's on the bench for director and why have we not discussed that person if we haven't? And how long have they been in level? And are we getting the right visibility into all of our talent across the board? So I think these types of programs and processes have really helped. Um, it's not enough because obviously we still don't see the numbers balancing out, but I do think it's helping. Okay. 
CK? Yeah, I'm happy to share the talk desk. So um, before talk desk, you know, I've worked in a few other companies where I remember every time I go to the board meeting, I was like the only woman there, right? So it's, uh, first of all, you're the only woman and uh, women plus young. I remember the days when this was, you know, back when I was like in the 20s, right? But I remember the days when I'd be like, oh, I want to look a little bit you know, I want to dress up myself to look a little bit more mature and a little bit more older than my age. And you want to fit in with people. And, you know, like I had all of that, that, but, uh, joining TalkDesk, I've really been, um, very thankful that the company is, of course, smaller than someone like Cisco, but for the company size, I think from the first day, we've always had a really good mix between, uh, female and male in the, uh, executive leadership. So for the last, I've, I've been here for four and a half, five years. It's always been, almost 50, 50, sometimes 60 person women, sometimes, you know, 45 person, but it's always been around that there's never been a case in the last five years where that mix was different. And I'm really thankful. And it's interesting because we never really uh, thought about it to bring women, but at the same time, we had so many conversations and interviews with, with executive and naturally we found these people were the best people in the industry, right? So it was just very natural for the company. And I think I, I loved it. Um, and then some of the other programs were doing something that's very near and dear to my heart, being a tech person, still owning product and engineering, especially in the world of engineering. It's amazing how uh, when you look at, so we have over over 50% of the company in engineering and product, right? So my team in engineering and product is over, you know, thousand people today. But it's amazing how when you look at the resumes that you receive in candidate pool, there's still the women in engineering candidate pool is so much smaller, right? But in some of the other functions, it's different. But in engineering, it's just like so much smaller. That's why, Larissa, when you talked about your mom coding in the 80s, I had goosebumps. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. But even today, it's not as much uh, as we all would like. And so we're doing a lot of like women in tech programs, uh, working with a few partners to bring in women in tech as internships and what we call tech dojos and, you know, different programs there. But specifically for helping women get into tech in their earlier stages of their career is what we're focused a lot on. And it's amazing because we talk a lot in, in terms of the corporate, in terms of, you know, like percentages and things like that. But it starts way before that. It starts when parents figure out. And I, I remember when I was growing up, my grandpa was like, oh, you have to be a teacher. Why? Right. So it starts way before that to send your kids to tech schools and for them to become successful after that. So that's where we're focused on. And I think that's one of the areas hopefully a lot of companies are looking at as well, because once you get in, we will rock it. But we need to get in first, right? I think that's been uh, the challenge as well in the market, I feel. And, and that was another question I was going to ask is how do we get young girls interested in STEM and tech careers? You know, I remember when my daughter was younger, you know, she's really good at math. And we thought, okay, you know, we're, and my husband's an engineer. So we thought, you know, we're going to get her into engineering. She wasn't interested. And she just, and, and even though, you know, we made the opportunities available to her, it just wasn't interesting to her. I don't know if it was because of friends and peers or what it was. So any ideas in how to get young girls, young women interested in uh, the, these fields? I, I think just one comment for me that we're, we've been looking at is because obviously we have the graduate programs, but I, I think to take a step back, it's almost earlier than that. So some of the initiatives we've been running in Avaya are more actually school. 
So going into school, you know, maybe just not teenagers, but 15, you know, 14, 15 year olds, and actually um, just talking through like we are today, the journeys we've been on and how exciting it's been. And so that, and, and I guess, so that, so that tech is not seen as nerdy and boring. <laughs> <laughs> that so we started doing some and it's this is done as at an individual basis with employees so that they can take time off work to actually go and talk to to their local schools and share their experiences and i think that's that's the way to get in before because it, it sometimes it can be daunting you 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 almost get to being a graduate and you don't know what you where you want to go what you want to do so um I think that's that's been a really interesting program for us here at Avira in, in the UK, and we're encouraging employees to to go and do it in local communities. It's amazing. Yeah, so may, maybe talking about that, it's uh, I'll I'll share a story from last week. It's fascinating. So my husband and I took our ten month old baby now. Uh, she's a girl, Lyra, to our friend's house, and my friend has uh, two guys, and they had so many toys, and we were kind of like playing with everything. But when I say tech, I don't mean they have to code, right? It's, you know, it's, it's engineering as a whole, which is you're a builder. You're a builder by nature. You're a builder by heart. And all the toys were all like building toys where you're putting something together. You're creating an airplane. You're creating a huge, like, you know, house. And then I was telling my husband, you know, I don't think Lyra would like this, but gosh, I can't say that. We want her to be a builder, right? I am an engineer of all people and I can't make that comment. And my husband corrected me saying, why not? Like, you know, it's it's not that she won't like it. We're assuming she won't like it, right? So he's right. And, uh, you know, even at a very younger age, we give certain type of toys to boys versus girls. And I think it starts from there in terms of what you like and what you get encouraged and what you get motivated about. And I was like, gosh, of all the people, I shouldn't be making this comment. And he reminded me that. But it just, like, she's 10 months old, but, you know, like, a year or two, you start kind of deciding some of the things. And I think her path gets uh, influenced based on these conversations, right? It was just fascinating. But 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 you're right. Yeah, I think sometimes their interest is not there. But hopefully some of these uh, things that you remember at a younger age could help potentially. But when I talk about engineering, like we want them to be builders, not all of them, at least, uh, you know, half of them to be builders, Right. And building could be anything. It could be, you know, software tech. It could be somewhere else, building a rocket or, or anything, right? Well, we're going to have to get her some Duplos and Legos soon. <laughs> of course. I, was going to say, I have a boy and a girl, and it's actually really interesting. I definitely noticed the difference in toys and mostly availability, um, like the amount of Lego sets that are available for boys compared to girls. Um, just, you know, is nowhere near the same amount. It's really exciting to see how much of that has changed. Um, and also when I look at Barbies, which my daughter naturally really liked dolls and taking care of babies and, and Barbies, um, seeing now an engineer Barbie and a doctor Barbie and like different types of professions that are outside of nurse, you know, teacher, et cetera, that are more traditional. I think it is totally opening that overall mindset of, you know, it's hard to like something you're not aware of. I think representation is a big part of that. Seeing me in the job that I'm in and when I talk to her about what I do and the people that I work with, it's, you know, it's changed her mind of exactly, like not even change. It has shaped her point of view that there is no bias there of what I can or cannot like. Like 
off the get-go, it's like, of course I would do that. Like, why wouldn't I? Like, it's, it's why would it be any different? Um, so I do think it's at a very young age that it's shaped. I also think the programs in school um, have a, a big part of this. When you when I started to see some of the school programs around what type of clubs were getting created, again, there was already inherent bias in which ones they marketed to the boys. Like my son got a ton of flyers for STEM. My daughter did not get as many. And I don't think it was on purpose. It was just there were some boys that were building robots. The parents decided, let's put together a STEM group. And it just happened to end up being majority boys. Um, and I don't know that that same outreach happened to the girls in the class. And so uh, really being aware of it, I think, is the, the first part and realizing that that impact may diverse, you know, preference down the line. Um, but at least being open about it being an equal opportunity right from when school is starting or even in the home, like you mentioned, CK, I think it's so critical. Yeah. And programs like um, Odyssey of the Mind, my daughter was involved in that from, you know, I think starting in middle school and, and programs like that are absolutely wonderful. And, and we had a mix of, you know, male and female, and it, it was just a terrific program. So we have to wrap up soon, but I'd like to end with what words of advice would you give to other women or young girls um, or young women, you know, and those starting their career? So any words of advice from anyone? Uh, CK? Yeah, as I said, I think the toughest times of your career is when you're starting up because you don't have that confidence yet. You don't have that cloud yet. Right. So at that time, uh, at least for me, you know, being an immigrant and, uh, you know, female and young and all of that together, you're constantly having to think about, do you fit in or do you stand out? And it's so easy to fit in because fitting in with people and doing what others do kind of like, you know, you win the popularity contest, but you don't have to win the popularity contest to be successful in the long run. Right. So I would say, stand out, be bold, right? It's easy to fit in, but it's harder to stand out and be bold. And I think it's the toughest time to do that was when you're starting your career, because right now you know what you what to do. But at that time, when you don't have that confidence that you should, it's, it's always uh, tricky. Okay, Ali? Yeah, similar. I'd also say, try. you have to try and surround yourself by good people, because good people take us on a journey. So yeah, I think I, I have a big belief about culture and I think you, you have to find the right environment um, but to grow and be strong and be your best. So, yeah. Okay. And Larissa? I think my biggest advice would be to be very open-minded. I think coming out of even school and whatever household we're brought up in, we have very interesting expectations of ourselves and of how people should or shouldn't treat us. And sometimes that in itself is very limiting and working in an industry where most people are not going to be like you. Um, I think sometimes finding what is common between you and them really helps with finding that confidence and finding those opportunities that maybe you didn't picture yourself in, but turns out was a really great stepping stone into this career that you're building. Well, I, I remember going to a women in tech panel and someone said, trust your gut. And I really like that too, you know, just, do what's right, you know, do what feels right and trust your gut. So thank you all. I am so impressed with each of you and it's great to hear your stories, your words of advice. And my hope is that one day we won't have to have special days to recognize and acknowledge the role of women in the workplace and in tech especially. And we won't have to have panels like these and there will be equity in the workplace. Uh, so my thanks to you and everyone who joined us today. 